How are we doing this morning? We awake? Feeling good? Awesome. Well, it's, uh, it's a blessing to be able to, to share with y'all uh, this morning. Uh, as Kwok said, my name is Spencer. My wife Madison and I have been a part of Youth of the Mission Honolulu for about the past 12 years. And 11 of those years, I've been coming to Blue Water. Uh, and, uh, and so this has been, been a, a real big uh, part of my life and, and part of my, my home in the Lord. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a blessing to get to share uh, with y'all uh, today. And I think that we're in, a, we're in a pretty unique season. I don't know if I've ever seen the things that are happening in, in any other like church context that are happening now. And granted, my life has been not too long at this point, so I'm sure I'll see a lot more as time goes on. But the desire for evangelism has come up, and they actually asked us, would you do a seminar on evangelism? I've, that's never happened to us before, right? Usually we're asking like, hey, does anybody want to go and do evangelism? Can we take you to do some evangelism? Like, this is kind of what we do, right, as YWAMers. This is something that we at least practice. Maybe we're not ex- experts. Last week, Kwok said that, that, uh, that I was an expert. I don't know if I can claim that, but I, but I can say that I have tried a lot and have helped other people to try and to step out and to share their, their faith uh, with folks. So the Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, the All Church Retreat happened, and at that... The, the night that was so significant, some people got set free of things, but also there was prayer for anointing for evangelism. And the, the Lord showed up, right, which is awesome. Uh, and, and so uh, it made me think of the, the passage uh, in, in the first chapter of Acts where Jesus had resurrected and he appeared to his boys and they, he was with them and they were like, Lord, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he pretty much just changed the subject and was like, it's not for you to be concerned about the times or periods that my father is set by his authority, but wait in Jerusalem and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The power that we receive from the Holy Spirit is unto witnessing to the things that Jesus has done in our lives and in the, in the world and cosmically. He has changed everything about life and about the world. The cross isn't just like this... this Thing that just forgives us. He's bringing all of the things that he's made back into right relationship with him. And, and we're, we're kind of the, the pinnacle of that, that he wants on the earth, right? He wants us to be back with him. But uh, he says, go and be my witnesses. The power is unto witness. And so I can't help but think that this power that God poured out at the retreat is unto us being better witnesses. And not, not like this thing where it's like, hey, you better be a better witness or else. It's like, no, like, this is something he's made us for, guys. He has something that he's given you that you have to give to the world and you have to give to the people around you. And there's a lot of people that are just waiting for somebody to tell them, someone to share with them, someone to bless them, someone to minister to them. And so uh, we've been a part of this mission for over a decade and uh, every, every kind of quarter, every season, we have new people coming in and we're, we're trying new things and we're going out and we're preaching the gospel and we're failing a lot and we're having you know, minor successes and then we're having great successes at times. Uh, and so um, some of the things I'm going to do today are share, are share with you some stories. But here's a warm-up question. You can discuss this with a neighbor. What gets in the way of you sharing your faith? Maybe I'll put it in more of a blue water fashion. What is your excuse? Right? What's your excuse? What gets in the way of you sharing your faith with people? Talk about that with someone next to you for about 30 seconds. All right, so let's wrap that up. So let's hear from a, a few of you. Let's hear from a few of you. What, 
what are the types of things that get in the way? Like the first thing that comes to your mind, hey, this is the thing that is my excuse why I don't share my faith. Let's hear from a couple of people. Go ahead and shout it out. What's an excuse? Don't have enough energy to get in arguments. Yeah. Yeah. So there's an idea of like, hey, I kind of know how this is going to go, and it makes me kind of hesitant to engage because I don't know if I want to do that right now. I don't know if I want to go there. Yeah. Hey, man, that's a reason. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how to start. I don't know how to even approach this thing. I don't know how to start a conversation. I don't know how to make it not weird. It's a big deal. And because we look weird when we make it weird. That happens, guys. That happens, right? Uh, what else? Let's hear one more. Fear of rejection. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. It's like all of us want to be accepted and received, and we have that with God, but not everyone around us. And so it's like, I don't want to, if I'm having a rough time, I don't want to add on to that a bunch of people thinking that I'm some sort of fool or whatever and rejecting me outright. Yeah, all of those things, like those are all common, all like super common things that, that people have. I have those hangups. Like I still have those hangups that'll get in the way and become an excuse for me starting a conversation with people. But over the years, I've, I've done enough to be like, well, it's not going to be so bad, right? Like, it's not going to be so bad if I do get rejected. It's not going to be so bad if, uh, if I do get uh, in an argument. Or I have no idea, actually, how this interaction is going to go. So how can I presume uh, to know? Um, when, I, when I first started, like, feeling the conviction or, like, the compulsion to share the gospel with people, to share my faith, uh, it was after I had an encounter with the Lord. I grew up in kind of a nominally Christian context in North Dakota, uh, in a, like, small town, like, context. But uh, there was a weekend where I went to this retreat with some people from my church, and I heard this guy preach, and it was kind of like on, on Pentecost, where it says the people were cut to the heart with Peter's preaching. For the first time, I was 17, I knew the, I knew the gospel, I knew about it anyway, I, I'd heard about Jesus, I'd asked him to come into my life, and, and, and I asked him to forgive me for sure, but I had never been truly convicted of my sin. I had never thought, you know what, this actually has to change my life, and I was struck in this moment where I had this encounter with God and I knew that it was all or nothing. I was like, this is, it's all or nothing. I can't pick and choose which things I want to obey and which things I want to follow in Christ. It's, it's all or nothing. And so I was struggling because I was living like a double life. I had my, all my, you know, sinful teenage boy things that I was doing in the culture that I was in. And I also had this like pursuit of God that I had intellectually and now was finally hitting my heart in a real way, and I was presented with this option, like, you gotta choose. You're on the path, you're on the path to destruction. And I knew that, I was like, and you made that clear to me, you are on the path to destruction. I have a different way for you. And I was like, I don't know what to do, right? I don't wanna leave the things, I, I love those things, maybe a bit too much, the things of my flesh. And I finally, kind of, after struggling with the Lord for a while at this retreat, I gave in and I said, all right, God, I give up. And when I did that, uh, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And, yeah, wow. wow. Uh, I had no context for what that was. 
very conservative, non-charismatic culture. And it's not like I overflowed in speaking in tongues. But I felt the power of God come over me and go through my body. And for a whole week, I went back to school. For a whole week, I felt these like surges of electricity sweeping through my body. And it would like seize me in, in class and things like that. And immediately I went there and I stopped doing a bunch of the things that I knew were wrong. And my life just changed immediately. Uh, and I still had some hang-ups that God was walking me towards to deal with. But, uh, but I immediately changed and I started telling my friends, you know, all my buddies, we were just a bunch of hooligans. And I was like, guys, like this is real. It's not just something we say that we are. Like we have to change. We can't keep living the way that we're living. I started telling all my friends this. And that didn't go so well with all of them. Some of them were like, dude, I'm not changing. And some of them were like, dude, you got to stop talking about that, right? Uh, some of them it went, well, it went well with, though. And some of them I still have as, as dear brothers right today. Um, but it didn't go so well. And then it was easy with my friends, but I was a person, like, like my temperament isn't one that wants to be speaking to people. I'm like highly introverted. I would rather be left alone and leave you alone. I would rather work on things rather than talk to people. Like I just would. That's, that, I'm just being honest. That's my temperament. And it, it's still my temperament. But God has led me in a different way. And I have to deal with that, that tension all the time. But like, I want to be left alone. I don't want to make waves. I don't want to tell people what to do. I don't want to make people uncomfortable. It's almost, it's almost laughable what he's had me do in my life based on all of those things that are part of my personality or, or like what my, what my flesh wants, right? Um, and like, I started talking to my friends. And it was easy because we already were friends and we argued about all sorts of things all the time. But uh, then I started having this compulsion to share with people I didn't know, share with strangers. And there was like, oh man, just knots in my gut about that. And I, you know, it took me a long time and it would almost like, I felt this like, man, I need to share this life. This, li- this, is, this is life. And all the people that are around me, if they don't find this life, they don't, they don't find their reconciliation with God. They don't find what they were made for. And so I had that conviction and, and the compulsion, and yet I had these hangups. And I was just struggling to talk to people and engage with people. And I, maybe a few times, there was like three times before I came to YWAM where I actually did that with a stranger, with someone that I didn't know. And I actually went for it because we ended up being in a context where we were around each other for a while. And I, I ended up, you know, preaching the gospel uh, to them. And all of them rejected it. All of them did. Um, they weren't mad about it or anything like that, but they just didn't, they didn't, they weren't having it at the time. Uh, and so I was like, man, I, like, I know that there's, there's more in this for me. Uh, and I was just struggling against these things and I had these hangups and these fears. And eventually I came into YWAM and you know what? They didn't disappear. Those hangups and those fears and the things that I would like to do rather than the things I feel called to do. I still have a struggle with, with some of those things. It's something that just it hangs on. The devil always wants to get you to not be the person you were created to be and to not say the things that you could say that would produce life. Uh, and so uh, throughout my time, uh, I've kind of learned a few things, and there's been some truths that have really helped me in this process, uh, not be so hung up in starting a conversation or sharing the gospel, talking about the cross, talking about forgiveness, talking about the resurrected Christ who is indeed alive and the Lord of all the earth and all of the heaven. And one day he's going to return again and everyone will know at that point who he is, but only some people will belong to him. And it's like, you know, I, I, I know that truth and that's, that's compelling to me. Um, but there's a couple other truths that kind of help me out to start 
engaging in conversation. Which brings me to our scripture for today. So we have 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 4 through 9. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, disclaimer out front, I'm taking this out of context. I'm just, I'm just being honest about it. I'm making a point that Paul is not making in this passage, but I'm using a truth that he uses to make his point that I think is just true regardless that I'm going to use to make my point. You got me? So mercy, right? Uh, all right. So I'll give you the context. The actual context, Paul is talking to the Corinthians, and he says, some of you say, I follow Apollos. Some of you say, I follow Paul. He's like, is Christ divided? Like, you're, you're just speaking from the flesh. It's merely human when you say things like that. Christ isn't divided. This isn't like we break up into cliques and clubs here. Like, this is us coming into one body under one Lord. Uh, and so that's the point that he's making. And this is what he says, starting in, in verse 5. He says, what then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. Here's the truth that he says in that. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the growth. It's not on the one who plants or on the one who waters. That's not what it's all about. It's about God who gives the growth. Every person that you ever meet, that you ever see, God is already working in their life in some way. He's made them in his image. The cries of their heart match up with the things that he has accomplished for them. And he's already probably injected somewhere along the line some truth. You know, Paul says in Acts 17 that he put... The people, he knew the places and the times that people would live, and he, like he pl placed them there so they might reach out and grab a hold of him. And so people around you, everybody, has some sort of thing that's going on in their life where God's left some marks already. I mean, just the fact that they exist is a mark of God in the world. And like he's moving in them, and he has things that he's doing, and we get to partner with what he's doing. So Paul, being a boss, being the boss that he is, says, I planted. I'm, I'm, I'm nothing, guys. I, I just planted. And he goes on to say, I'm a master builder later on in the chapter. But, but he's like, I planted. Apollos, what it was God that gave the growth. That idea for me has been so freeing because I, sometimes we come to like an evangelistic thing and you're talking about having an argument, getting into an argument, defending the faith. It's like sometimes we come to an evangelistic encounter and we think we have to take them from creation to the eschaton in one shot. <laughs> and, and it's like we don't have to do that. In fact, that's not going to happen almost ever, sometimes, maybe. But what, what happens is you end up encountering that person in their life at a time, you know, at the time that you do. God's already been working in them, or maybe you're the first to plant a seed, maybe. Uh, and then you get, the, you get the opportunity to plant or to water. And it might be the case that they're at the point and they're dead ripe and they're ready for harvest and they're ready to come to Jesus and ready to give things up. I've had so many people right there they were like, I believe everything you say and I agree with everything you say. I'm just not ready yet. But sometimes people are like, yeah, uh, like I'm ready. It's time. Today is the day of salvation and I'm ready to receive it. Um, but like we don't have to get everyone from, you know, A to Z in one shot. But if you can plant and if you can water, it'll probably be enough. So I got some stories that I'm going to share. And these stories that I'm going to share today actually are 
maybe, maybe you would consider to be failures. I don't. I don't consider them to be failures. I actually consider them to be pretty great successes. Uh, but in, in no instance in the stories I'm going to share did I see anyone actually come to the point where they surrendered their life to Jesus. But they're good stories anyway. And so I just want to share some stories about planting uh, and watering with you. Can I do that? Yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, so the first time, I, when I first came into YWAM, uh, it was during my orientation week, and we were here uh, on the island, and um, there was no official evangelism thing going on, but there was an opportunity, an optional opportunity, that first Friday we were here to go with some other YWAM staff down to Waikiki to do evangelism. Earlier that Friday morning, they had sent us on this scavenger hunt. So they give you a paper, you have to find all these things, they drop you off in Waikiki, and they leave you there, and they say, get back to base when you're done. Take pictures of all these things. Uh, and so I don't know what the point and purpose of that is. Maybe it's fun, maybe it's familiarizing you with the city, whatever. I think they just got a kick out of it at the time. But, um, but we were down there doing this, this scavenger hunt. One of the things that you needed to find was somebody with a really bad sunburn. Uh, and so... We were walking around, and I saw this guy, and I was like, that dude right there, really bad sunburn. We're going to go up to him. So I walked up to him and tried to say, you know, excuse me, sir, and tried to explain. And uh, he wasn't turning around, and then eventually, like, I got him to turn around, and turns out he was deaf. And so he, he couldn't hear. But we showed him the paper, and he was a good sport, and he let us take a picture of his sunburn. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah cool. Uh, well, he didn't say anything, but yeah. Um, and so we saw that guy, and that was, that was it, and we went on with the scavenger hunt. But later that evening, we were going down to, to Waikiki. And uh, as we were gathering in the tin to do evangelism, um, and the tin is the place that we meet on the base, uh, uh, we were praying, and I started to feel these nerves, right? So it was an optional time, by the way. So it's like, hey, you don't have to go, but it's an option for you. And I was like, I don't want to do that. And so I'm going to do that, because that's why I'm here, right? Uh, and I was like, this is what I'm here to do, grow in this stuff. And so... Uh, <laughs> We, we, we got together, we were praying, and as, the, as we started to pray, my nerves started to, to tighten a little bit. Uh, and as we got in the vans to drive down to Waikiki, my gut started to just like, you know, tie into knots. I was so nervous. I was like, man, I don't, I've never done anything like this. We got down there and they gave us some gospel tracts, which is just like a little piece of paper or something like that that has a, the gospel message written on it. And they had these giant $100 bills. They're about a foot and a half long these giant $100 bills that had the gospel on the back. They're like, hey, just give these out to people. They like the giant $100 bill. And uh, I was like, that's a bit gimmicky, but okay. And um, so I took, I took some of the $100 bills. I was like, hey, at least I can hide behind this. You know, I can, I can make an offering. Um, so I had some of those, and I was, with, I was partnered up with one other girl that was in the DTS that she was brand new to this too. And we were walking down like from the zoo parking lot, and we ended up... Um, walking out and we're like, all right, Lord, where do we go? What do we do? And I saw the pier that's out there. And so I was like, well, there's people on the pier. Let's go walk out on the pier. Um, and so at least, yeah, we got one step. And as we were walking down the pier, towards the end of it, uh, there, I noticed this group of guys off to the left. And, um, and as we approached them, I realized that, uh, that one of the guys was sunburn guy, right? Uh, and as we, we went up to him, I was like, oh, hey, he recognized me, I recognized him, and we didn't talk about it, but, but we, like, we, yeah, we recognized each other, and so I gave him, I gave him the $100 bill. And that he was with some other guys. It turns out all of these guys were, were impaired in some way. Most of them were hearing impaired, but one of them was just mute, and he could hear. And one of them was deaf, but he could speak. 
And so we started to have this conversation through translation. We would talk to the guy that could hear. He would sign to the guy that could speak. The guy that could speak would talk to us. And meanwhile, I, I give, the, I give the, this, this gospel track to the sunburn guy. And he has another guy that they were really close. And as kind of we started having this weird conversation, I started to realize that, oh, they're a couple. Because they were doing couple things, right? Uh, and uh, they were a gay couple. And eventually, this, this guy, he looks at, so the, the sunburn guy is sitting there reading it, and his, his partner looks at it, and he comes up to me, and he, he, he like, with a mad face, he does this, and he shoves me away. And I was like, oh, man, okay, well, there's obviously some hurt that's there. Uh, and I was like, so this might not be going anywhere anytime soon, right? This, this is a problem. Um, but, you know, sunburn guy was sitting there reading the, the, the track on the, on the, sitting on the wall, uh, anyway, we started having a conversation with these other guys off the side while they were over there, and we ended up having a really cool conversation. It got around us talking about Jesus, sharing the gospel. We argued about some things through this like translation thing, and then um, eventually they like uh, you know they kind of warmed up, and and as we were talking to them, I looked off to the side, and the gospel track's really big, so it has like a lot of has a lot of text on it, and so he was reading it, and he got to the end of it. I, I kind of looked off to the side as he was sitting there, and he got to the end of it. And he put it down like this, and he just like stared off in the distance and kind of cocked his head to the side a little bit with the most contemplative stare I've ever seen on anyone's face. And I was like, whoa, man, like something's happening, right? This guy's like, he's really, he's really seriously looking at what this thing says. This, this thing talks about Jesus and forgiveness and the cross. Uh, and I was like, that's really awesome. And I was like, this is my first time doing this. That's really cool. Uh, and eventually, we ended up having the conversation with these guys and it got to the point where we were about to go and we we're like, hey, can we pray for you guys, pray with you guys? So we got to pray for them um, and it was really cool. And at the end of it, sunburned guy got up and, and he, he came up and he hugged me. Uh, and, then, uh, <laughs> and then his partner, who had pushed me away earlier, at the end of it came up and hugged me. And, uh, you know, I didn't see anybody give their life to Jesus in that moment. We didn't see any decisions made, right? But I knew that something was planted and something was watered. There was this other time uh, this last year where I was in Colorado and uh, we were at, I was at a YWAM conference there and part of the YWAM conference, one of the afternoons we went out to do evangelism in Colorado Springs. And uh, as, we, as we were walking, I was with a group in this park in Colorado Springs and um, there's a skate park I saw off in the distance. It looked like a really cool skate park. I was like, oh, man. I was like, I bet we could have really good conversations with people over at the skate park. So we walked over there, and we started to engage people there. And we did have some really awesome conversations. And even while we were talking to some of these girls, one guy came skating by us, and he, like, was, he like started kind of, like, manifesting and, like, cursing us and stuff like that. So there was something going on in this place. We, were having, we had a few conversations, uh, and they were good. Once again, no one gave their, their life to the Lord in that instance. But as we were walking back uh, uh, to where, like, we had to head back towards the, the vans, um, there was a guy that was sitting on the wall of one of the bowls in the skate park, and he had a broken skateboard, and he was taking the trucks off of the broken one and putting them on the, a new deck that he had there. And as we were walking by, I just made a comment. I was like, oh, you know, the guy broke his board. It's, a, it's at least an opportunity to comment on the bummer that it is that he broke his board. And so I was like, hey, man. I was like, broke your board, huh? That's a bummer. And he's like, yeah. He's like, I only had it for like a day, and then I busted it. He's like, it's, a, it's kind of a bummer. And I, I started kind of just going back and forth with this guy. His name is Cameron. He's a young dude. Um, and 
And uh, as we were talking, uh, I ended up asking him a question, knowing really nothing about skateboarding, by the way. I was like, hey, what's the best trick that you could do? Because I was like, maybe I can have him do the trick. And, um, and he's like, he said something, which I don't know what it was. So I was like, oh, cool, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, I looked as out of place as you think at the skate park when I was standing in the middle of it, right? Um, but, but I was like, oh, cool, man. He's like, yeah, but I can't really do it right now because last week I, I tweaked my foot, my ankle, and every time I put pressure on it, like roll it out to the side, it hurts really bad. There's like a sharp shooting pain, and uh, I have to do that to do this trick, and so I just, I'm not doing it right now. And I was like, oh, dude. I was like, well, can I pray for your foot? And uh, he was like, yeah, I suppose. And then before I prayed for him, I was like, well, do you know about, about Jesus? I was like, because I've seen Jesus heal so many people, like instantly, and I think he can do that for you today. Uh, and he's like, you know what, actually, I, he's like, I just started going to a church with one of my friends. And he was at the point where he's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to follow this path. And it was obvious that he wasn't like super far along in, in discipleship as I had talked to him. But, um, but he was like, yeah, I just, I just started going to church. He's like, so yeah, go ahead and, go ahead and pray for me. And I got down and, and put my hand on his foot where he said it hurt. And really short, in the name of Jesus, foot be healed, restored in Jesus' name. You know, right? Whatever. Some, 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 something super simple, sorry. Uh, and, uh, and I stood up. And I was like, hey, man, uh, can you tell anything happened? And he, 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 like, does the rollout on his foot that would make it hurt. And he goes, oh, what the? <laughs> and, and he's like, what the heck, man? He's like, what the heck? He's like, there's no more pain. There's no more pain. He's like, I'm, I'm healed. And I was like, yeah, you are, dude. And so we got to talk. Uh, like a lot more obviously that opened up a big door for this this kid and we got to talk and I was like you know asking him about kind of his his walk and where he was at uh, like I said it was obvious that he wasn't very far along in his journey with God but then I was like hey man let, let us let us pray for you now uh, and so stood up and got to just pray for him bless him you know speak some words over him that I felt like the Lord was was giving me for him uh, and then at the end it was just like hey man you're commissioned now to be salt and light in this skate park. There's a lot of other people here that need it. If you're going to be here, be here, right? Uh, and so he was like, he was stoked about it and, and like really receptive. Uh, and it was a super cool interaction. Now, I didn't see the guy like end up, you know, making a full-on commitment saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you forever, whatever the cost. I didn't see that. But I guarantee you there was some watering that happened in that interaction. There was a, the last story I'll tell uh, is I, I was on a, an airplane headed over to Kona uh, a couple months ago. And almost every time I get on an airplane, I try to, ahead of time, pray. Because I know my, my proclivity is to sit there by myself and not say anything to anyone while I'm there. Uh, but if I beforehand am like, Lord, you know that someone's going to be sitting next to me on this plane. We're going to be stuck next to each other for at least a little bit of time. Sometimes we go to the mainland, it's five and a half hours, you're stuck next to somebody sitting on a plane. So Lord, I just bless that person, whoever it is right now. I pray that you'd open them up to whatever you want to do in their life during that time, and you'd show me the opportunities that I, I can take to speak into something that you're already doing in their life. And so I, I would pray ahead of time. And then I also know that if I don't do something immediately, like introduce myself immediately when that person comes on the plane and sits down or I sit down next to them, that it's probably not going anywhere. And so I sat down, no one was next to me yet, uh, and then this young guy comes walking, and uh, he, he, you know, he's like, oh, I'm sitting there. So I got up, and he, he got in, and I sat down. I was like, hey, man, I'm Spencer. So I just introduced myself right away, because if I don't do that, 
it's pretty much over, right? It's hard, it's hard otherwise. So I introduced myself right away, uh, and we started, we started chatting a little bit. One of the first questions that he asks me is, hey dude, I'm on vacation here, do you know where I can get any weed? <laughs> and um, I do a lot of ministry in Waikiki, so actually I do know where he could get some weed. But I didn't say that. Obviously, I didn't say that. But I was like, nah, man, I don't, I don't smoke, bro. And, and so that was how the conversation started. I was like, okay, right. It's already going somewhere in my mind. And, and so, so we, started, we started talking, and you know, I asked him what he did. He's a collegiate wrestler. And he's, into, he's going into business, and he had all these ideas for making money and for business and all these ambitions and stuff like that. Uh, and that, that conversation led into talking about his purpose, me asking questions about, you know, what do you think, you know, your, you know, your purpose is, the thing that you could do, what do you think the purpose of life is? And then it got philosophical. We started having this really cool conversation. It was back and forth, and I got to, like, say a ton of things that were just true about life. This is the biblical worldview, just injecting into this conversation with this guy. And even, like, when he'd say something like, well, I don't think it works that way, because if you considered this, and he'd be like, oh, yeah, I guess you're right. It doesn't really work that way. And so, like, we're, we're having this, this conversation, and it got to the point, eventually, where I'm just full-on talking about Jesus and talking about how uh, the only way that we are, are coming back into what we were created to be is if we're restored to God. And the only way we're restored to God is through Christ. Uh, and the only way that we, we, we get to that point is we, we got to surrender, man. We got to be forgiven. And, and so I was talking about that and asking about his, like, his background as far as church goes. And, um, you know, he, he wasn't going to church or anything like that. He had like a little bit of uh, experience in his youth, but, or his like really young, young years. Um, but he's like, no, I don't really, I don't really follow any of that stuff. And it, it got to the point where I was like, man, like I was just prophesying over this guy. Like, here's your purpose. Here's your value. Here's the meaning that God uh, has given you. Uh, and, and I was like, you should definitely pick up a Bible again, dude. You should definitely pick up a Bible and start reading and start looking. Like, look for yourself. Like, you don't, you know, it doesn't need to be just this kind of caged thing that you think it's about. Like, Look for yourself and see. And, and by the end of it, I was like, we we're landing. I was like, bro, can I pray for you? So I got to pray for him. Uh, and he was like, he was into it, uh, receptive, and uh, prayed for him. And then we were walking off the plane, still talking, because obviously the flight is short uh, over to Kona. And, and we we're walking off the plane. And I was like, dude, this is a real pleasure to, to get to, to chat with you, right? It was, it was an awesome conversation. And I really hope that you, like, I really hope that you find what you're looking for in the Lord, you know, and, and, you know, bless you, man. He's like, he's like, dude, this was a crazy conversation, man. He's like, I got a lot to think about. I would have never expected this to happen. And, and I was like, I didn't see him give his life to the Lord that day. I didn't see that. But I know for sure that I planted some seeds and probably watered some other things in his life. Because God is always moving. He's always working uh, in people's lives. And if we come to our interactions with people just looking for them to be meaningful, if you can look for opportunities for conversations to become meaningful, it's right there. It's right at hand. Scattering some seeds, which is the word of God. Watering, you know, like letting the spirit come in and do something uh, and agreeing with and partnering with him. Though, like if you can do if you can find some meaning in a conversation, it's really easy to plant uh, and to water. You know, say, say, say there's about 5.6 evangelistic count encounters before someone actually makes a decision and gives their life to Christ. 
5.6. What if you're number one and no one's ever planted the seed in their life? What if you're number three? What if you're number five and they only have the 0.6 left to go? Like you don't see them actually yeah, give their life to Jesus, but what, like, where are you in that path in their life? You just don't know. You don't know, but some plant and some water and God gives the growth. Like there's a field that he is sending you to. And that field might be your workplace. It might be the gym that you go to. It might be your tennis club. It might be your family. It might be the school that you attend. But God is sending you somewhere to a field, and he's given you some seeds and a watering can. You have them already. You have them. You don't need anything special. Like, you need the, the heart of God for people and the truth of the gospel. And I think this is true. Like, if you plant and if you water, you can trust that God will give the growth. And that's my, my point for today. You find a meaningful conversation, you can easily make that conversation about Jesus, and at the very least, you can plant or water. You might not see him harvested, but you can plant uh, and water. So with all these things, for me, like the primary factor in any of my interactions, because I still have my temperament that's railing against me in this process. And it's a real thing, guys. Like I get nervous still about this. And I, I do evangelism every week. Every week we go into evangelism. And I get nervous, like every time. Why? I don't know, but I push through it because it's worth it. When you see things actually happen, when you see someone give their life to the Lord, when you see someone over the course of time discipled and, and kind of the, the dimmer switch turns on until the light is fully on in their life, it's amazing. It's totally worth it. And it's what we're here for, to be salt and light in this world. Uh, but the primary thing for me in struggling against those things is intent. If I intend to be a blessing to the people that I encounter, it's a high probability that something is going to happen. If I intend on it. If I don't intend on it, all the things will just pass me by. And it'll pass the other people by too, the opportunities. Uh, but if I intend on it, um, it, it's likely, right? If I, if I do the things ahead of time uh, and do the work ahead of time uh, and think about like, hey, like the people that I encounter need Jesus, that's 100%. Everyone's biggest need is to be saved uh, and to be reconciled to God. Uh, 100%, all the people that you encounter need Jesus. Uh, and I know that I have something that I can give them. And do I intend to give it to them or do I not? And you don't have to get weird about this and like you can't pass by someone on the street without stopping them and telling them about Jesus. Although if you want to do that, by all means, right? Um, but imagine if, imagine if there were the body of believers on this island went out in the week, at least once a week in their mind with intent. and might not be going out to do evangelism per se, but it might be like, hey, today when I go into work, I know this thing is happening with this person in their life and they're having this struggle. I intend to be a blessing to them and speak the truth to them and see where it goes. If, if everybody did that, all the believers on the island did that, I wonder what would happen to this place. I wonder how many people would experience the love of God. I wonder how many people would realize what's true about them and about the world and about God. I wonder how many people would come into the kingdom. I bet more than, than there are now. And I think this is the season that God has us in. So I want to give you some tips for planting and watering. Ready? Yeah. Super easy, guys. Super easy. Everybody can do it. Um, number one, pray for opportunities. That's it, right? If you, ahead of time, pray, Lord, give me some opportunities today with these people, with my family, with my coworkers, in my tennis club. 
while I'm sitting five and a half hours next to somebody on the plane. If you pray ahead of time, the likelihood of you having some sort of engagement and encounter and it being fruitful goes up a ton, probably immeasurably, right? Uh, the next thing is notice those opportunities, right? So you prayed for opportunities. Now just keep your eyes open. Stay awake. Notice what's going on around you. Like all of those instances that I shared, it was just like, you know, me noticing things that were, that were happening. It's like I noticed sunburn guy. I probably would have passed that group by and been scared had I not been like, oh, there's got to be something to this. I ran to this guy earlier today, right? I noticed sunburn guy. I noticed something that God uh, was doing. When, you know, the guy said he hurt his, his foot, there's your sign, man. Like, notice. There's an opportunity. Uh, when the guy, you know, started talking about, like, his ambitions and, you know, the first thing he asked me about was if I, if I knew where to score some weed. I was like, I noticed, hey, man, like, there's an opportunity here. Talk to this guy about something that's significant. Because I know that everybody who, who you know, either drinks too much or does drugs or something like that, they're looking for something, right? Everybody's looking for something, and it's pretty obvious, and they know it. So pray for opportunities, notice opportunities, and then the last thing, the blue water motto. Try. Just try. Just, like, take, try to take the opportunity. You don't have to do it perfectly. And, like, I don't even know what perfectly is. Like, what is that? What is doing it perfectly? I, like, no one could even define that for you. Because you're you, and they're them, and you're in that situation, in that moment, and God's there with you. What else do you need, right? You pray for opportunities, you notice opportunities, and then you just give it a try. And you know what? You're going to get rejected. That's going to happen, 100%. I have way more rejections than fruitful conversations. I have way more unfruitful conversations than fruitful conversations. I have way more fruitful conversations that don't lead to the person getting saved than I do having fruitful conversations that lead to the person getting saved. But I know that since I've planted and since I've watered, that God is going to give growth because that's how it works. Paul said so, right? Some plant and some water, but God uh, gives the growth. And so my exhortation to you guys is go and do it, man. Like go plant, go water. There's already a field that God sent you to. You have one in your life. I bet when I say there's a field in your life to plant and water and you think of something right away. I bet that's true. And you can do it. And like, it's not, it's not, you're not inept. You don't, it's not like you don't have what it takes. It's like you have God. And, and if you have the truth of the gospel, uh, that's good enough. Could you mess it up? Yeah, of course you could. But like, is, is, your, is your screw up too big for God's spirit and his grace to cover? No, it's just not, right? It's just not. And, and I think it's, he, he honors a, a hearty try, you know, uh, even if you don't do it too well, uh, much more than if you just stay silent. Um, but the seed is the word, so you've got to open your mouth. But if you plant and if you water, in my mind, it's a guarantee that God's going to give growth. Uh, I think that's just true. Jesus said to pray for laborers to be sent out uh, into the harvest field. Uh, and so I know that like, we, we are those people, right? Uh, and some of you had experienced some of that reality at the, at the all-church retreat that night. Like you felt like the Lord came and, and did something with you in that time when we're praying for anointing for evangelism. Uh, and so what I want to do to end it, as a person who, who, who needs this prayer as much as anybody, is I just want to pray blessings over us, anyone who wants it, um, for like a little bit of, 
you know, a continued boost, a continued boldness uh, to just go out and to try to be sent to a field as a laborer uh, into God's harvest, which is plentiful. So if that's you, if you want that, if you know, like, hey, maybe I don't, okay, maybe rephrase it. You don't want it, but you feel like that's what God's calling you to, because that's my life, guys. Like, you don't want it, but you know that God's calling you to it. You know he's calling you to share, to bless, to open your mouth, and to, to preach the gospel to the people that are in your life, or maybe just strangers that you meet. Uh, why don't you stand up, and I'll, uh, I'll pray over us to, to end here. All right, Jesus, we are gathered in your name, Lord, under the banner of your goodness and your truth. And Lord, we're standing here in your love, knowing that we've been loved by you, we've been saved by you, we've been redeemed by you, and you're walking us through a process uh, towards you, God, which will, will reach a, a culmination uh, in us seeing you face to face. And what an awesome day that'll be. And we know, God, that so many other people uh, need that. So, Lord, we know that the, the harvest is plentiful, and the opportunities for planting and watering are plentiful. So, Lord, would you rain down on us, Holy Spirit, some anointing, some boldness, and some power for speaking the truth in love and preaching the gospel to those around us. God, would you impart to each one of us right now uh, the things that we need for the coming days, the things that you're doing in these islands, you're doing in the world, the harvest that is coming and that's ready. Lord, would you put us in the, in the front of it, if we can be in the front of it, uh, to go out and to speak the things that need to be spoken uh, and to bless and to be salt and light in this place. So God, would you come and would you give us uh, the courage, Lord, to be able to do the things that you're calling us to do in planting and watering in Jesus' name. Amen.